This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. As Christ said in John 14, 27, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This is God's covenant of peace in verse 5. And this is the first encouraging picture, the first encouraging vision that God has set before the priest to encourage them, get right with God. Is verse 5. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and he gave it to them. So, With this vision, this initial vision, God is laying out the grand recovery, the great recovery, so that they can get this life that wins, a recovery from death, a recovery from distress. Next, God gives a wonderful vision for the priest in in verse six, verse six, the law of truth was in his mouth. The law of truth is in mouth. This is the calling that, that the Bible should be in the mouth of the priest. The priest talks, the priest should talk about the Bible because the Bible is in his heart. As it says in Psalm 1 2, Psalm 1, verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Day and night, day and night. Joshua 1:8. Joshua 1:8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. Or then you're going to have the light that wins. Meditate day and night on this Bible. The priest, is he says, the priest talks about the Bible because he's thinking about the Bible day and night. And that's how he teaches his children that's how he teaches his children, by talking about the Bible like a coming out of his heart. It's coming out of his heart day and night. 
the great Shema, Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. He is a Bible man day and night. That's a priest. He's a Bible man day and night. With this vision, God says in verse 6, verse 6, the law of truth was in his mouth. So God is laying up here, laying out here, a great preoccupation for the priest. He is preoccupied with the Bible. That's the life that wins. Now, what a calling this is. And then he says there's a calling to walk with God. He says he walks with God. He's never to be alone in life. He's to have God always walking beside him. When you need strength, you turn to God who's walking with you, and you say, I'm tired now. I need strength. And God on the side, right on the side says, says Isaiah 27.5, Isaiah 27.5, let him take hold of my strength. Philippians 4.13, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That makes the issue in our lives not about our weakness, not about our, what we can't do, but that makes the issue in our life about God's strength and what God can do, and nothing is impossible with God. To walk with God is to have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week access line, never to be put on hold, never to have to push buttons on a phone. People spend over $2,000 here in San Diego to have the concierge medical where they, they get, you're supposed to get the doctor when you need him. You got better than that, better than that. In James 1.5, James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So with this vision, in verse 6, God says about the priest, he walked with me in peace. And so God is laying out here the grand help in life for the life that wins. What a wonderful thing. This is a wonderful thing. And then God says, here is your life goal, priest. Here's your life goal. God has given us, he's given us, to live our lives so that the end, in the end of our lives, we, it should be able to be said of us, and it should be able to be said of the priests. Verse six, verse six, he did turn many away from iniquity. What a wonderful statement to have a life. That's a life that wins. That's a life that's well spent, and that doesn't come by accident. God is saying in verse six, he's saying in verse six, here it is. You can have this, you can have this for your tombstone. He did turn many away from iniquity. Verse six, he says, you can have it. And so he's saying, God is saying, go for it, go for it. This is the life that wins. This is the life of turning many away from iniquity and it can be yours, it can be yours. If you want it, you can have it. If you're willing to go for it by intention, it can be yours. And how does this come? How does this come? This comes when a person makes it his business to turn many away from iniquity. This happens when a person makes either a written or a mental list 
of the targets that he is, people that he is going to intentionally pray for. And he's going to be looking for opportunities to speak and to be this messenger. How great it would be if there would be many in heaven who would, who would run up to us and say, I owe myself from being saved to you. I owe, I owe you from being saved from hell because you made it your goal, because you did Daniel 12.3, you did what it says in Daniel 12.3, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. This is the vision that God is sending up there, the goal in verse six, turn many away from iniquity. God has laid out the grand goal for a life that wins in that verse. And then God gives a further wonderful invitation in verse seven, verse seven, for the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth. So God is inviting the priest to seek the law at God's mouth. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God doth man live. So God's inviting a person to make God's word his great interest in his life so that the person wants to know more and more about God's word, more and more about the Bible. And the person asks more and more questions about the Bible. And the person wants to better understand more and more the Bible, more and more. And he feels that it's not just enough to, to know the Bible, he's got to have the Bible somehow incorporated into his life so that the Bible helps him walk with God. That's the great goal. And with this vision in verse 7, they should seek the law at his mouth. With this vision, God is laying out the grand interest in a life that wins, in a life that wins. And then God gives the great crown of the title, the title what a title this is for the priest, for us. A great title in verse seven, verse seven. He is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Wow, the greater a person is that a person's a messenger of, the greater is the messenger. And that's why in verse seven, God didn't say he's the messenger of the Lord. He didn't say that. He said, God said for that person who lives the life that wins, it says in verse seven, he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. To live the life that wins means that we accept God's calling of his title in verse seven, to be the messenger of the Lord of hosts. And what's our message? What's the message of the priest? Our message is 2 Corinthians 5.18, 2 Corinthians 5.18, all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to, wit, to witness, to say, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, but hath committed unto us the word, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God, please, will you please? 
be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the message of the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Also laid out, that message is in Acts 26, 17. Acts 26, 17. When he says, delivering thee from the people from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they should receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's the message. Now, this is how God has encouraged the priests with a life that wins and that he has planned it, and now God turns to tell them what's wrong. What's wrong? Verse 8, verse 8. But you are departed out of the way, and you've caused many to stumble at the law. That's tragic. That's tragic that after having laid out this life that wins in verses 5 to 7, that God now has to say in verse 8, but you departed out of the way. And when a believer walks with God, many walk with God. And when a believer does not walk with God, many do not walk with God. And that's what he's saying here. He said, you departed out of the way and you caused many to stumble at the law. Now, this is the pattern that God has used. He lays out the way it should be and then he shows what's wrong and then he shows the way back because he's always, he doesn't want to, He doesn't want to condemn people. He wants to bring them back. And so this has been the God's pattern, which is to show clearly this life that wins and then to show how they departed out of the way. And now they're in the life that loses. And now God does the same thing in another great area. We've been talking about the life that wins, and now he's going to talk about the marriage that wins, the marriage that wins. And so now God addresses this life that loses And he says in verse 14, verse 14, the wife of thy youth against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. In other words, God's going to talk about divorce, divorce, which God calls treachery. God calls divorce treachery. And God doesn't want anyone to engage in divorce. And God is doing in this chapter now what he did earlier, that to encourage people to stay married, stay married and do not divorce because A life that wins is a life that stays married. So this is a high calling of marriage, and he's going to give some encouraging reasons here to stay married and don't divorce. First, God says a couple should stay married and not divorce because in verse 14, he says, the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth. That means that of all the witnesses at a marriage ceremony, when promises are made to not leave each other, to not forsake each other, to stay together in sickness and in health for better or for worse, that there was also one very important witness of that marriage ceremony, and that was God himself. Just as the preacher says those famous words, dearly beloved, we are gathered here in the sight of God and in the presence of these witnesses to join so-and-so. And that means that God is there as a witness, and that's what he's saying here. To the He's witnessing the vows, and that means that God is going to help the husband, that God is going to help the wife to keep those vows and not violate those vows in divorce. And so he says, he, he says he's a witness there, 
and he can plug right in there, Romans 8.31, Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? So this is the first encouragement that God gives for marriage, the marriage that wins, is to stay married and not divorce. God was a witness to the vows. God will help the husband, he'll help the wife, and keep those vows. Verse 14, verse 14, the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth. Then God goes on, and he encourages a couple to stay married with verse 14, when he said, yet is she thy companion. She's thy companion. Companion is a beautiful word. It's a beautiful word. It's a, last Friday night, I had dinner uh, for the first time with a, with a friend and his wife. And after that dinner, we were brought closer together. We really were. The relationship's not the same. There's just something special about eating together. There's something special about breaking bread together. And that is the literal meaning of the word companion. Companion. Come means uh, together. And pan means bread. So companion means to eat bread together, break bread together. And God says to the husband in verse 13, she is thy companion, which means your wife is the one that you have eaten more meals with than any other person. Just think of all the different times and all the different circumstances that you've eaten together as husband and wife, and don't throw away all those times through divorce. I remember our first meal together, Cheryl and I here in San Diego as husband and wife, and we drove out here, and it was in the fall of 1970, and we just had rolled into San Diego, Coronado Bridge just got opened up, there was a big fire going on, and we, and we didn't have a place to stay, so we drove straight to, to Mission Bay in Campland, and we pitched our little pup tent there. I don't even know if Campland's still there, but that's where it was. And we put a little teddy bear out in the opening of our tent, and we went to a store, and we bought a cooked chicken, and we brought it into our pup tent, our little home in San Diego. We ate that chicken there. Verse 14, she is thy companion. Think of all the times you have eaten together. Stay married. Then God gives the next encouragement to stay married with. In verse 14, verse 14, she is the wife of thy covenant. She's the wife of thy covenant. Remember that you made promises to her. She's the subject of your covenant. She's the person you agreed, Genesis Genesis 2.24, Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Mom and dad are not part of that. The new creation, just husband and wife. You promise to cleave to her above all others. She's the person you promise to not leave. She's the person you promise God that you're going to stay with. Each party, each party in a marriage, they should keep a copy. I remember when I was married and the vows were being read, and I wasn't serious about it at all. And I just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife kicked me on the side. She said, listen to what he's saying. Very important. Each party should have a copy of their marriage vows. And they should privately review them before God and grade themselves on it. How am I doing? How am I doing? What do I need to work on? What will I need to, where are the weak areas I need to improve on? Because those vows are an oath to each other and they're an oath to God as well. And God's very serious about oaths. He says in Ecclesiastes 5.4, Ecclesiastes 5.4, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. So God says in verse 14 to the husband, 
She's the wife of your promise. Remember that. And God is addressing the husband in these words because the literal meaning of the word husband is made up of two words. Hus is the word for house, and band is man. So husband is the man who keeps the house together. He holds it together. He's the husband makes it his business to keep that house together and not see that house dissolve in divorce. So God gives another encouragement to stay married and not divorce, and it's this title that God calls the woman the man married. And in verses 14 and 15, God repeats this title for the woman when he says, the wife of thy youth, or the wife of his youth. By this, God is saying here, your wife, she is your wife, which means that she's the nearest of all the relations that you have on earth. She is your wife. She shared in your joys, in your griefs, in your sorrows, in your cares. She's the one you confided in. She's not your servant. She's your friend. She's the person you took counsel with and you asked, what do you think? What do you think? She's your wife, as Adam said in Genesis 2.23, Genesis 2.23, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. She is the wife of thy youth. Twice, as I mentioned, God uses it in verse 14 and 15. This phrase, the wife of thy youth. When your passions ran the hottest in your youth, she's the wife of your youth. You want to be young again? Return to the wife of your youth. Do you want to be young again? Return to the wife of your youth. My youngest son, Josh, he has a classic car restoration business called Evolve. Don't go running off there unless you want to spend a lot of money because it's expensive. I was shocked to restore an old car. And I asked Josh one time, I thought, Phew. I said, Josh, why are people willing to spend so much money on restoring an old car? And he told me, he says, because they have an emotional relationship with that car. That car makes them feel young again. That rush of the feeling of youth that you get when you get back into that 1958 Chevy Impala. That's the car of your youth and you love it. And it makes you feel young again when you get into that 1964, that's the car we had, 1964 Ford Mustang. That's the car of your youth. You feel young that 1966 Pontiac GTO. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the car of your youth that makes it feel young again. Or in my case, what was it? 19, 1969 Lido 14 sailboat, which I have and I'm restoring. Why? It makes you feel young again when you get into that thing. Anyway, in the same way, God says to the husband, Go back to that wife for your youth. She's better than the 1958 Chevy Impala. She says in verse 14, so she's the wife of thy youth. Let her make you feel young again. So by calling her that, God is saying to the husband, she was your first choice before anybody else, forsaking all others. You chose her. Choose her again. She's your classic car. Maybe a little of restoration, but okay, whatever. Then God encourages to stay married and not divorced by saying, in verse 15, did not he make one? Yet had he residue of the spirit, wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to yourself, your spirit, let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.